Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and thrilled to have with me today Michael Jazz. Michael is coming to us from, and I have to look at my notes because of menopause brain, Executive Director of the Relationship Foundation, which is a nonprofit in New York City. Um, yeah, and he is here to talk to us specifically today about nonviolent communication as a tool to mitigate trauma. So, welcome, Michael. Good to be here. Nonviolent Communication uh, is based, uh, it's a book uh, by the authors Marshall Rosenberg, and uh, it's something that, uh, it's a tool, a, a communication skill set that we've been introducing uh, primarily to schools in New York City. Um, we have a curriculum, so we have it uh, outlined in our curriculum also, which we've sold to uh, schools around the country, as well as uh, social service organizations. And uh, the way that I got into this work was I had been doing relationship coaching. And about 13 years ago, I was coaching an administrator who had gone through a very difficult 18-year marriage, which he described in one word, torturous. Now, we might know some people that have been in torturous relationships. And he said he never wanted to get married again, and he... um, hated women and after a couple months of uh coaching with him and specifically introducing the nvc work he said you know i you know i've changed my mind i do want to get married again and would you come in and speak to a group of boys in my high school uh junior boys and i said yes because i couldn't find the no and i went in and i started speaking with them about relationship dynamics and i could see they weren't listening and something I did that's really out of character. I stood up like a drill sergeant and I said, listen up. And then very quiet. And uh, I continued. And later that day, the administrator who brought me in wrote an email to the principal saying he had not seen a group of boys transformed in 42 minutes in his 10 years in the school. But I teach relationship ed as a component of health ed. Now imagine if we had had a relationship roadmap growing up, if relationship education was along with health ed and nutrition and all the other things that kids study besides their normal subjects. And uh, I went into the school and I began uh, sharing ideas. I don't generally say the word teaching because I'm a student myself and I'm learning every day. So we say that we're introducing this work and we work with people but I, uh, I stay away from the word teacher. And uh, that began the process and schools began to find out about us uh, year after year. And uh, now we have a curriculum and a book. And uh, most recently we've been working with schools remotely. And um, a administrator in the city found out about our book, which we put up for no charge uh, after everything shut down. And she contacted me and uh, uh, said she, she couldn't download the book. So I, I, I'm not religious, but I say by the grace of God, she couldn't open up the book. And I looked her up, and she is an administrator for culture and climate in all of New York City. And uh, uh, I said, I'd uh, be happy to do a uh, workshop for your parents. And she said, great, absolutely, but would you speak with principals and uh, their support staff for 250 schools. So as of today, we've uh, given our workshop with over 400 schools in Manhattan and in Queens, and we're really grateful to be uh, to be getting the word out, not only about NBC, but also about trauma. 
Yeah. So what is, what is nonviolent communication? Can you define it for us and talk to us about it? Well, nonviolent communication is based on, uh, as I said, Marshall Rosenberg's book by the same name. And there's four components to nonviolent communication. Uh, observation, needs, feelings, and requests. And what we focus on mostly is the needs and feelings. But observation in its simplicity would be being able to look at the world without judgment. Now that's easy to say. We go to lectures, we hear speakers, they say, try to do this non-judgmentally. Well, I have a lifetime of programming to judge people. So it's understanding more about how people operate in, based on their needs and feelings that helps to reduce the judgment. So we've always seen from the beginning that nonviolent communication is a way to reduce the judgment. Will it ever go away can, entirely? Well, maybe if we get this work introduced when kids are really young, they'll have very little judgmental thinking and they'll be able to say when they say, oh, that was really stupid to somebody. In fact, before they even say that, they might ask them, themselves this question, does this need to be said? And just feel their, what's going on, their upset, their concern, their worry, their, their frustration. They'll be able to feel that and say, oh, well, what are my needs? I have a need for uh, understanding. I have a need for respect. And so they might phrase their sentence like, when you said did this, I felt disturbed and anxious and I have a need for efficiency and effectiveness and competence. Could you tell me what's going on? Now we don't talk like that. Right. Uh, but if we start practicing talking like that, then it'll be more in our thinking process. So we might not use exactly that language, but we'll have a reference for how are we looking at other people and how might we word our concerns to stay connected? How, yeah. how might pull we... The, the needs screen up? Yeah, let's, let's pull the needs up for a moment. Okay. Hold on. All right. There we are. Needs, needs, needs. These are words that we all know. Integrity, inspiration, love. Now, I've also, as I said, done uh, coaching with individuals and couples. So acceptance, affection, appreciation, care, closeness, companionship, consideration, friendship, all of these play out in uh, uh, significant other couples. It plays out in all, every relationship. Now, what was interesting for me was um, I dedicated my book to my parents, who I often spoke about in therapy, which I don't do therapy anymore, because I realized that my parents were doing the best they could with what they learned from grandma and grandpa, who were born when the light bulb was relatively new. Right. What did they know? It was about survival. Now, with the 60s and pop psychology and all the uh, ways we're uh, beginning to understand the human psyche and the brain development, now we can look at things like needs and feelings. So uh, because my mother, I think, struggled in many ways with depression. Uh, it, I don't recall getting this nurturing. So now I see it on the second uh, column, the bottom of the list is warmth. Warmth is an important need for me. Not everybody, but not having that as a child. But in the schools, when we're in the schools, competence, consciousness, con contribution, what's important to students, discovery, creativity, growth, now, when a student doesn't understand something, instead of the, the teacher saying, what's the matter with you? Why don't you listen? Can't you get this? And this is what sort of triggers kids and brings up the trauma again, is for a child to be able to say, I need clarity. Clarity. Yes, and understanding. So the teacher says, oh, would you, want, would you stay after class? I'll help you get this. Because teachers now, what we're, what we're explaining to them is they have needs and feelings. So during, in class, they have a need for order. They have a need for peace of mind, harmony, so that when there's the disturbing behavior in the classroom, they can say, I'm feeling disappointed and anxious because I have so much I want to share with the class today. 
And I did this in one of the classes that I taught, and I could see the teacher was getting upset. And I said to the rest of the class, the 54 kids, what do you think Miss Smith is needing right now? Uh, she need learning and integration and 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 contribution. Okay, and how is she feeling? And we'll look at the feelings list. So when your feel when your needs aren't met, we say I I I don't feel good about this. So good is not a feeling. So here we have uh, what we call feelings associated with met needs. We don't call them good feelings because what's good to one person might not be good to another person. So amazed, inspired, motivated. How am I feeling right now? I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling inspired. I'm definitely feeling grateful. Look at this list. Appreciative, thankful, touched, moved by being, having the opportunity to share this work. So this is now putting me in touch with feelings that I would prefer to have being thrilled, being relaxed, being calm, comfortable, intrigued, curious. Oh, the, 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 this is not rocket science. Here's a list of maybe 35 words. And if we get in touch with like, what am I needing? What am I, and for instance, what I need, the need that I have that's strongest for doing this work is a need for contribution, a need for purpose. So many people go to work every day when they went to work and those needs for purpose and meaning and contribution weren't met. So how can I get those needs met at work? How can I met the, get those needs in my, meet in my community so I can feel happy, so I can feel peaceful, so I can feel satisfied? Being able to describe who you are, what you want in terms of your needs and feelings opens up this, this broad space a bit of creating connection. That's such an important need, and I think... Many people need this connection. Notice I don't say we all need connection. Maybe if you're a monk, you don't need connection. You sit in a, in a, on a rock in a mountain and you, have your, and you go into bliss. So one of the things about the NBC is, is we, we, we practice looking at how most of us might want. We use language like, well, many of us want, or most of us, most of us it seems that. And this way we're not making blanket statements. So when our needs aren't met, how do we feel? And that's now we're going to go to the list of feelings associated with unmet needs. So this list is a bit longer because we have more struggle in the world. So if I'm not getting my needs met, let's say for contribution, for progress, for competence, I'm feeling disappointed, I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling anxious. If somebody says or does something that uh, upsets me, I might be uh, worried, but I might be angry, I might be annoyed. I, now, notice that my vocabulary is increasing where I can get in touch with the broad range of feelings. And this is all on two pages, three pages, really. We put the needs and feelings on one page. I'm sorry, the needs met and unmet needs on one page. And so we don't need 375 pages on, on, the, on the vocabulary of what our needs and feelings are as we get, get used to using this and practicing. Practicing expressing who we are in terms of our needs and feelings, just like you would practice a sport, a language, a musical instrument. And after a while, first day you bang on the piano, it's not sounding so interesting. After a week, after two weeks, after a couple months, then the needs and feelings gets into your thinking process, gets into your veins, just like playing a sport or a musical instrument. So I'm very passionate about these, uh, these uh, uh, few pages. They're on our website. People can download them for, for no charge. We, we want to we share these, these, um, these uh, tools to create more connection. Yeah. And so it's a matter of just teaching teaching kids teaching folks you said you know in the in the hospitals as well as schools and, and whoever else wants to utilize this um how to speak in these languages or using these words um for their individual needs so that so that we can understand one another you're right that that's about understanding yeah. so 
if I, like for instance, you can have multiple feelings at the same time. So before I go on a, on a video, a camera, or in front of teachers or in an audience, I, I feel nervous, I feel worried, I, I feel uh, concerned because I, I got the message as a kid that, you know, you don't, you, you're not doing this right. So I got all these messages. And as you know, many people have said, uh, the worst thing they can imagine is, is, is public speaking. So, but at the same time, I feel pleased. I feel grateful. I feel delighted. I feel um, uh, uh, inspired and motivated to be able to get, get in front of uh, a camera, get in front of uh, people who are <clears throat> interested in how people can stay more connected. Yeah. So that's, um, that's, that's what we call this is a, is a, it's a way to mitigate trauma. Many of us have trauma in our background. We're learning about trauma suddenly in the last 10, 15, 20 years, trauma's more and more in the conversation today. And uh, psychologists are talking about it, teachers are talking about it. And now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we've been contacted by a, uh, a teaching professor who's, who's an MD at one of the major hospitals here about bringing this work into uh, the uh, uh, teaching process for medical students and residents. So they'll have more empathy and they'll have greater understanding about their own needs and feelings and the needs and feelings of their patients. And another thing is that the, the professor we're speaking with thinks this will be really helpful in having them avoid burnout. Yeah. Uh, because residents and, and, and med students work very, very long hours with very little sleep. So we're, we're very pleased to be able to uh, share our work. We also uh, have done numerous um, uh, one and two day workshops with organizations in Atlanta that help traffic women to rebuild and restore their lives. Uh, we've been going there every couple of years. And now we're gonna be working with a group that works with individuals who are on parole and probation. So we really see this as, as, a, as a, uh, a very helpful language, uh, dare I say universal, that can bring, uh, bring us together on many levels. Yeah, and I, to, to put it in perspective, I, I have a story to share about it because I think by putting our truths out there, it really does, it, it helps create soul connections as I like to call it because we then can understand where a person is coming from. I had traveled uh, to a writer's workshop in Orlando. And um, when I had booked my reservation, they came back and I, I sent a little email off and said, I have this horrific fear of heights. It's related to my trauma in my childhood. Uh, how, how high up is my room going to be? And the, the person responded, oh, we can't decide until you get there and I thought oh my gosh I'm gonna get there and they're gonna stick me on you know like the 44th floor or something crazy and I so I got a little panicky and so I thought well I'm just gonna throw this out and so I just shared my truth and sent off a little email and said here's my trauma history and here is why uh, the results I have panic attacks if I am you know past a fourth floor I, the heights really scare me well, the response from this, um, you know, resort, it was just a, a big resort, an Omni or Marriott or something. I don't even remember at this point, but was so beautiful and so positive. And uh, the young lady said, absolutely. We went ahead and booked you a room. We normally don't do that. Thank you for sharing, you know, your story with me. Um, when I got there, she came out, gave me a hug. It was just a very beautiful exchange. And I was extremely grateful. I sung their praises on, you know, social media because all I did was share my truth and, and my needs. And they came back and it was um, a beautiful response. I wasn't demanding. I wasn't nasty. I just said, here's my needs. It's, it's wonderful to hear uh, about those kind of situations. And, you know, from an NBC perspective, I, I, I'm, my brain is already thinking, well, you, you reached out to create connection so you could meet your needs for safety, stability and security and peace of mind. And the response was 
yes, I, 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 I want to give you, meet your need for support. So my brain thinks about, you know, the, in those. And so again, like I said, we're not used to, it wouldn't be like I would say, oh, Terry, I guess that really met your need for support, stability, and peace of mind. And you would go, huh? Right. But, <laughs> but when we start thinking that, then I'm actually feeling like grateful that there that situations like this occur. So the needs and feelings um, uh, create a thinking process, and we can put it into sort of what we call street NBC. And I would say, oh, great, that sounds like you, you know that was really fulfilling for you. And but in the beginning, like I said, it's a practice, yeah. practicing expressing needs and feelings, and um, yeah, and and so there's uh, one of the things that we've been thinking about is when we introduce this to teachers is that uh, many children today uh, are in homes where there's abuse. And now, uh, speaking in terms of trauma, uh, when, when there's trauma, uh, cortisol and adrenaline are, are released into the blood system. Uh, the, hippocamp the hippocampus is the long-term memory. and short-term memory, it shrinks. That's something I think I experienced. And so uh, we, sh we shut down and we go into survival. And it's interesting because that survival mechanism is the same survival mechanism we had when we were trying to be make sure we didn't get, we weren't turned into lunch for a saber-toothed tiger. But somebody says, hey, why do you waste so much time? And those same chemicals start going when there's no danger. But um, what, what happened was, uh, uh, we were we were brainstorming how to make this more effective for teachers and administrators. So when they can introduce this work to children, and they're they're aware of their needs and feelings, but they're in a small room or they're with other kids, and that parent is still in the room, and they can't say, "I'm afraid of this oh. neglect, abuse, uh, 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 physical, emotional abuse, even sexual." So a child can't say this as I'm worried about this because the parent, parent or guardian or whoever the person is could, could you know, grab, grab the, the uh, computer from them or the cell phone. So, but if they learn this, they could text to the teacher and they could say, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling, I'm looking at my feelings. So I'm feeling terrified. I'm feeling worried because I have a need for safety and stability. Can you help me? And the adult, the, who might be an abuser doesn't know because then then when the, a, a child has become articulate in their needs and feelings, they can send a message. So we see this as a safety net during this period when kids are, are having to stay at home, that they can relate their needs and feelings, especially when it comes to meeting their need for safety. Yeah, beautiful. And that's one of the things I had heard was the um, the rise that with the pandemic and in, in the abuse that is that is occurring, um, yeah, with kids being being at home and and teachers not being able to, and staff not being able to report it because the kids aren't in their physical presence. Right. It, it's yeah. yeah. It's it's a it's a uniquely difficult situation. Um, uh, it, it's you, you could almost call the pandemic uh, the eleventh ace, because because it affects just about everyone. And uh, you know, from an NVC point of view, uh, uh, whoever the abuser is is also trying to meet a need. They're trying to meet a need for understanding and let's say order and peace of mind. It's just that their strategy is one that causes harm. So. Um, uh, in terms of strategies, uh, that's another part of NBC. I, I, I have a quick story on that. I was in a school in, uh, in Queens in the, the Jackson Heights area several years ago, and I, it was the same class of 54 kids. And we have students keep journals on how they see relationships in society, how they see them personally. And um, I told the uh, teacher that I wanted the kids to keep journals. And you, and you can buy those little 99 cent uh, that look like a, a, a zebra, not a zebra, but black and white spots. And they said they didn't have any money. 
So uh, I live uh, in the East Village in New York City. I went to a 99 cent store and I bought 54 journals because the kids really wanted to write about relationships. And um, I uh, took two bags, two shopping bags that were, that were uh, uh, very strong. And I put them on my bike the day I was going to the school on both handles. I biked to uh, 14th Street and First Avenue where I got the L train. New Yorkers will understand this. <laughs> I'm carrying these two heavy bags. I take the L train to Union Square. I change trains for the six train. I go to Grand Central, change trains for the seven trains. And these are heavy bags. Uh, I get to Jackson Heights and it's an elevated uh, stop. And in the elevated trains, you have to go down two sets of stairs. And as you're going down the stairs, there's a flat section in between. So it breaks the, the, the stride. And as, just as I got to the flat section, I saw somebody coming up really slowly. Then I saw somebody who looked like they were really in a hurry. And I thought if they went around the slow moving person, I'd have to stop in my tracks. And I remember thinking, don't but they did. And the first words that came to mind were thoughtless, inconsiderate, right? Judgment, thoughtless, inconsiderate. I won't tell you what words I might have thought. <laughs> this word, but word. And then I continued down as my foot touched the sidewalk. I asked myself, well, I wonder what this person's strategy was to meet their needs. And I imagine they were going to visit their Aunt Eva. Uh, who's in the hospital and only uh, has an hour to live. And Anne Eva met their needs for uh, appreciation, affection, acceptance, love, belonging, closeness, empathy. All of these needs were met. What was that person's strategy to meet their needs? Well, it included cutting me off. But then I wondered, well, Maybe they saved somebody's life a week ago who was drowning. Maybe they're a living saint in their neighborhood. Maybe they're, uh, they're, they're someone people can count on. And I started imagining what this person was that wasn't thoughtless and inconsiderate. Because thinking in terms of needs and feelings, what, was her, what needs did she have? So I, it was like I remember thinking to myself, I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> It was like I, I was free of my judgmental conditioning. But, um, you know, it's come back to some extent. But that was a moment where instead of seeing people as my judgments, I was seeing them as people with needs and feelings and strategies that I didn't necessarily appreciate, but they didn't have to be my judgments. Yes. And I love that. I love it. And I so relate because I have talked about this on the podcast in the past and said, when I reached that place in my healing journey, where I was able to sit at the red light behind someone who was texting and then it turned green. And instead of honking the horn and being like, get out of the way, you know, and throwing some curse words out. Instead, I'd say, I paused. I had a beautiful, brilliant mind once tell me just notice. And so I would just notice and then say to myself, and I did that exact same thing, told a story to myself. I wonder if they're, they just received a text that their mother is dying in the hospital and they're reading that text. I wonder if they've worked a double shift and it's a, you know, a doctor or a nurse and they're so tired and they just needed to rest their eyes for a second before hearing, you know, maybe their house is only a mile away and they just need to get home and, and sleep. And so by doing that, I was able to just kind of take a breath. That doesn't mean I don't go beep, beep in a very nice way. <laughs> like, hey, the light's green. <laughs> But yeah, it really does make a difference in, in being able to relate to others and, and respecting the needs. You know, I say honoring others' needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and Beautiful. another example, Terry, um, you're driving down, down the road and a car gets too close to you and cuts you off. What do you do? You pull up next to them and you roll down your window and you say, that didn't meet my need for safety and stability. No, you say, you idiot. But maybe that person's rushing to pick up their child at a school and the lights have gone off and maybe they saved somebody's life. So we can imagine what's right with people because we can't pull everybody over to the side of the road who cuts us off and say, look, I didn't appreciate your strategy to meet your needs. Could you tell me what's going on? 
but the more we we can just play with it imagine well I see so much in the world that, that I have judgments about, but do I want to live my life like this? Do I want to keep building this stress? And when I walk in my home and I see uh, my family members, do I want to walk in with this, with this grumpy mood or do I want to say, well, I, I, I'm, it's kind of challenging out there, but I, I see that uh, it's easier not to judge and the same thing is because i ride my bike everywhere in the city and cab drivers constantly got close to me and i would sometimes ride up to them because they'd hit a red light and i'd say yeah you know you want to hit somebody i need the insurance i need the insurance money but what if that cab driver is taking someone to the hospital who's about ready to deliver their child and so their needs for effectiveness efficiency progress movement I didn't appreciate their strategy to meet their needs, which meant that, which included getting too close to me. So it's day by day, but we really recommend, uh, we have a chapter on nonviolent communication uh, in this book that I say I, I wrote, a, I, I, I wrote, I wrote a book, but what I really did was I spoke a book and people typed. <laughs> so that, that's how I, uh, it's better, it's, that's the only way I could have done it. But uh, there's a chapter, people can download it on our website, uh, therelationshipfoundation.org or trf.net. Chapter four is on nonviolent communication. Chapter six is on the adverse childhood experiences. And I recommend these chapters to everybody, teachers, administrators, parents. If you don't have time to read through the whole book, which is easy to read because it's small pages, big type. But to learn about NVC, and then the other thing I really recommend is buying NVC, getting your own copy by Marshall Rosenberg, and that's easily found on the internet. Uh, I believe this work could could change could change how we how we live and act in the world more than anything I've ever found, and that's why it's the cornerstone of what we bring into schools and why it's opening so many doors. And there are wonderful approaches to getting along with people. There's hundreds, thousands of books. This one we found to be the most effective. Beautiful. Yeah. And I I love the idea of living in a trauma-informed world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When when people, the more people know about the ACEs, um, Cicely, uh, my co-partner in this project, sent me a link for uh, an ACES workshop that was animated. Uh, It came out of England. We'll send that to you. And I started watching this, and uh, the the first couple of minutes, I was like, oh, I know all this. And and, uh, I said, let me give it a little little more time. And I learned so much. I've studied so much about the ACES. Uh, Jim Sporleader, I think, have you know about him, the, the principal of Lincoln High? Yeah, he's been he's been on the podcast, and I consider him a friend. He's just a beautiful, beautiful soul who does amazing work in the world. Jim is one of those. Uh, I found out about what Jim did at Lincoln about twelve years ago, or eight years ago. And again, I say, by the grace of God, I found his email, <laughs> and I said, "It's great what you're doing there." And I I never expected because. At that point, there were 400,000 hits on the article about Jim and Lincoln High. But he emailed me back and said, great, what you're doing in New York. And we began what the interns called a three-month bromance, phone calls, emails. And eventually, he flew me out, and I gave a day-long workshop for his uh, entire staff. And then a week later, Jamie Redford came in and started uh, filming the transformation in the school. So I have been in touch with Jim throughout the years, and he's another one. He, the, this man loves people. He cares about people. He cares about his kids. Yeah. It was just perfect that he found out about the ACEs, changed, the, changed the, the approach in his school from the punishment model to care, understanding. Uh, that's another film, and I think that's on Amazon also. Yeah, Paper Tigers. I mean, such a powerful documentary. Yes. It, it's 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 fantastic. And Jim now goes, as you probably know, he goes to schools all over the country yeah. and is getting the word out. So um, and he's endorsed our book and our curriculum. And so we're really grateful for, for his support. 
But, uh, uh, and actually, uh, when I mentioned that we had started to go into multiple schools here, he came on to one of our professional developments in June. And the teachers and administrators were absolutely delighted to hear from somebody who had, who had as you know, over a three-year period, suspension days in that school went from 796 to 135. What school doesn't want those statistics? Graduation rates went up five times. This is so these kids who did very few of them had that sense of secure attachment in their homes. Now we're getting it in school. Now the school became their second home. And so uh, uh, the trauma-informed school approach, and Jim, Jim's got a book on that, the trauma-informed school approach. I think it's going to be so important because we have now the most traumatized group of children in the history of this country. And so um, um, learning about NDC, what, one of the things that Jim said to me is that, that the ACEs is the why this has to come into school, the schools and the work we're doing is a piece of the how, piece of that puzzle. So that's where we're grateful for people like him and uh, the, the uh, Jamie Redford and the work you're doing and Fritzy Horseman. We show step inside the circle in all of our PDs now. It's just been a, a tremendous honor to to uh, be in touch with Fritzy, and she's going to actually address parent liaisons from 250 schools in a few days with us in our latest presentation. So we, she blew me away on, I mean, that, well, one, I watched her, her video, uh, the eight minute video, what a powerful, well, just amazing work that she's doing in the prison systems. She, she's, um, I, I'm going to say this for the record. I think that Fritzy at some point has the, the momentum to change the prison system. I think her work, it's better. And I really think that she's going to get nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I think, I really think that's, that could happen for her because of her, her care and dedication and, and her commitment to, to creating more peace in the world. Yeah. And I listened to her uh, interview with you last week and it, it was, I learned so much. And uh, I was really grateful to hear, to, to hear, um, to hear how, how she shared her work with you and the, and the, and the language she used and, and her, uh, her sense of compassion. Yes, beautiful. Certainly, certainly touched me on a heart and soul level. Yeah, everybody should go to the internet right now and type in Step, in, uh, step Inside the Circle. And uh, I, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit. We're always trying to uh, raise funds, but every time I watch Step Inside the Circle, I make a donation. Yeah, Ritzy's organization. Beautiful, beautiful. One of the yeah. things going back to that uh, to that um, webinar that uh, Cicely sent me was uh, seeing this word and hearing secure attachment, and I started thinking back on my own child. Uh, I learned that the world was an unsafe place. No one's there to help. I'm insignificant. Establishing avoidant and safely disconnected relationships hypervigilance, high state of alert, can't trust adults. These are the kids coming into schools today. Many of them have are dealing with this. And that's yeah. why when teachers understand the ACEs. They can look at a kid not as a disrupted kid, but here here is a kid who has a, tr a they have a troubled brain. Not 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 it's, it's not that they they are uh, uh, that their, their behavior is a coping mechanism. So they don't have bad behavior, they have a bad brain. Right. And um, uh, uh, Terry, if you could bring back this other slide, uh, we'll, we'll quickly, if we have a couple more minutes. Sure. I want to mention about uh, uh, non feelings because this is another piece of NBC. That's, uh, if you, there it is, the non feelings lips. When you say to someone, I felt abandoned by you. I felt betrayed by you. I felt disrespected by you. I don't know what you're feeling when you say that. These are blaming words. 
So if I feel abandoned by you, what did, what, well, what was the unmet need? I had a need for inclusion. I had a need for uh, uh, consideration. I had a need for friendship. So I'm seeing that these are unmet needs and I felt disappointed. I felt upset. I felt conflicted. I felt worried. When I say, I, I feel abandoned, I feel disrespect. So I feel judged. I feel put down. I feel neglected. Oh, you're someone who neglects people. I feel manipulated. So these are, um, these are in the, our book and our curriculum, non-feelings. I feel used by you. No, I feel upset. I, I have a need. What are my needs when, when there's a sense of being used? So these words are out of my vocabulary. I feel judged. I feel dumped on. I feel hassled. I feel ignored. Uh, can you see how these words? Yeah. Are, they're, they're fight starters. Yeah, I mean it's it's resonating. I, I think, oh my gosh, I'm I've used I used these words. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's 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 very freeing when you can look at these words and say, Oh, I felt left out. Oh, so you're somebody who leaves people out. That's what you're saying when you say, I feel ignored. I oh, I feel insulted. Really? So you're somebody who insults people. How about I feel I felt upset? When you said, why do you waste so much time? So, Terry, uh, thank you for, for showing these slides. For anybody who's watching watching this uh, visually, uh, uh, and this is, in, again, in, in, in the nonviolent communication book. Uh, yeah. And, and it's not, there's 25 words there, 30 words. It, we don't have to use them. Notice I almost said we don't need to use them. Yeah. We use the word need all the time. Uh, I need to take a break. No, I, I have a need for, for rest. I have a need for relaxation. Uh, same way with the feelings word. I feel like having some pizza. Did you see pizza on that feelings list? Right. I feel like taking a walk. I feel like going to the movies. They're not feelings. We use the, the needs and feelings, uh, the needs and feelings word, words all the time in our language. And, these words have become so significant, and Terry, I'm looking at my needs list right now, and I noticed that your your little your throat is a little sore, and I'm wondering if you need some space to clear your throat, or if you need, <laughs> yes. if you need a good cough. <laughs> you you have a need for choice to take a break from from this interview for a moment and clear your throat. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here we're 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 practicing NBC. Right, right, beautiful. So okay. I'm going to do that and clear my throat. <laughs> I will. Um, I'll uh, have a look at my needs and feelings. I'm so <laughs> grateful that you you've invited me on onto your program. Uh, I'm just so passionate about how can people create more connection, meet their need for connection. Uh, understanding, closeness, progress, inclusion, love, empathy. Oh, uh, we, we have like about five minutes left, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, let me tell you very quickly about the empathy piece. Uh, we do introduce a lot before I explain about empathy. Uh, uh, there's many books on empathy. It's, it's a very popular subject. Uh, it has many layers to it, but what we teach is something in our well, we introduce in our, in our programs is empathic listening. We don't say empathetic listening. It's another way to say it because it has the word pathetic in it. Oh, yeah. So I like to say empathic instead of empathetic. Um, what we do is we put teachers, kids, and pairs and have them tell the other person, A and B, something that annoyed or disappointed them. And uh, so they might say, Oh, the traffic was terrible get, getting to work. I'm so annoyed and I've left my lunch at home and, and it's really been stressful. So your friend tells you this and then what do you say? Well, often what I used to say was, oh, you had a bad day. Let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about my traffic. One-upping. Well, Terry, maybe you should get up earlier in the morning. Unrequested advice. Fixing. Well, Terry, you know, 
probably want to get your car started before you go out fixing, advising, analyzing. Terry, you, every week you say the same thing. Are you getting any empathy? Well, Terry, look, the day's over, so can, let me just put it behind you. Consoling. Did you ask to be consoling? And finally, Terry, you know, you should be glad you have a job. So uh, discounting. So what we, what we recommend is someone says they had a bad day, just simply say, I hear you. And then silence. Or, or tell me more. When I, when I introduce this, when I work with couples, if there's a situation and one partner says to the other, hey, the drapes, look at the drapes, they're all crooked. And the partner says, instead of defending and saying, well, put them up yourself or what, you know, if it wasn't, you hadn't told me to do it this way, blah, blah, blah. And they, they criticizing, defending or, or um, uh, uh, yeah, criticizing, they say, I hear you. Tell me more. Well, where's the fight? Tell me more. I hear, uh, is there more to that? And in a case of something that's sort of really upsetting or tragic, you say, I, I don't know what to say, but I'm just so glad you told me. Yeah. And usually if somebody tells us something that's kind of tragic, say, I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. We want to say, I, we are sorry. But how about, uh, I don't know what to say. Because often we don't know what to say. So that's, our, that's a piece of what we call the art, empathy, the art of listening, uh, where we say, I hear you, tell me more, is there more to that? Sometimes we're gonna say, yikes, or wow. Like if you say the word wow, you can almost feel it in your chest. And just this act of listening gives a person so much space. And this is what many people call being present. Yeah, beautiful. I'm a huge Wayne Dyer fan, Dr. Wayne Dyer. <clears throat> in one of the books I had read of his, he recommended if someone is saying something that you disagree with or they're wanting to express a very passionate argument against something and, and to just say, okay, okay. And leave it at that. And I have utilized that. And I'm telling you, it is amazing how powerful that word can be in just honoring their need to express what they need to express. And that's Great. what I'm hearing and what you're saying. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's uh, it's good. It's good to, to get some, you know, another perspective and, and another way to stay present. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon before we close out? Uh, yeah, I didn't say much about the, the adverse childhood experiences. We, we are making teachers aware of that so that they understand that uh, kids really have a need for understanding and that um, they may have come from an environment where uh, it's sort of like this. You're in the woods and you see a bear. Your, your thinking process doesn't turn on. You say, oh, there's a bear. Well, at dinner at six and I have to get this paper to my company. No, it's like, you run to hit the, 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 the uh, amygdala, fight, flight, or freeze. And for some kids, the bear comes home at night. Yeah. And so we, we tell teachers that they do not enter the school, school doors ready to learn. They are hypervigilant. They are stressed out. They're high strung. And so that, that to understand that they're doing the best they can in a way their strategy to find a way to calm their nervous system might be to do and say things that aren't conducive to learning, but that uh, the punishment model generally makes things worse. And as Jim Sporleader stresses, is replacing that punishment model with care and understanding and saying, instead of what's wrong with you, what's going on with you and giving a child that space and we're also introducing what we're what's being called the adverse community experiences, uh, discrimination, street violence, uh, racism, exploitation. All of these are also adverse conditions, mostly in uh, 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 high needs areas 
where where there is this disruption and it's hard for a kid to study. It's hard uh, for them, for this family to get by. So in addition to the 10 ACEs, there's now the adverse uh, community experiences. So um, there, there's, there's so much to take into consideration when working with children, uh, when being with anyone that, that people are, are not necessarily their behavior, it's their strategy to meet their needs that you might not appreciate, but how can we stay connected? And I'll end on that note is that we, we, we are, are, are really dedicated to this principles. How can we stay connected and, and get um, and, and move, move over to another horizon where judgments fall away and we can start to um, live in a different world? Yes, beautiful. Well, I have learned so much. I had not yet heard of adverse community experiences. Um, I've, I've certainly talked about it, but not from that racism and bullying and so forth, um, group bullying. Um, social media this is a whole other, yeah. I mean, really could be considered yeah. under that yeah. community. We, we outlined five of them, poverty, exploitation, street violence, um, uh, racism, and discrimination. Yeah. So the poverty, poverty is an ace. Yeah. So we're learning. We're learning to see the broader picture of who people are, especially children, but all of us adults too are, are you know, we're working on our, our healing from uh, things that may have happened that uh, took us out of connection. And so an understanding about the ACEs and practicing NBC, we think that, that uh, these are very helpful um, points of awareness and tools to use to uh, um, communicate. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. It, it talks, you know, to me, this is all that we're talking about is just, again, acknowledging one another's pain, acknowledging one another's journey and honoring it. Um, and where we are and where each person is. So the work you're doing is just just beautiful and I thank you for it. Thank you too. It's, it's, uh, it's really a gift that you're giving uh, in bringing, bringing these kinds of uh, uh, speakers on to create more awareness. Awesome, all right. Well, so how do people get a hold of you again and get in touch with your organization? Our, our uh, URL is uh, easily easy to get to. It's T as in Tom, R as in Rachel, F as in Francine, trf.net. Uh, and we're also at the relationshipfoundation.org. And um, our phone number's there. And we have a lot of uh, uh, different uh, free tools there. We have uh, sections of our curriculum and our book that people can download and take a look at. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, we have a lot of it there. We have some video, different videos and uh, we are always grateful to have people come and take a look. Wonderful. All right. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure and thank you again. Being here. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening in today and remember until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the healing place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.